Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. Prayer is a dangerous thing. You might wonder why I say that today, but it really is a dangerous thing because prayer, as the children so eloquently told us, is simply speaking to God. But speaking to God about what? What is it that's on your heart and your mind? What is at the very core of all of your prayers? Jesus tells us that he gives us this gift of prayer. The disciples know about prayer, and yet they turn to Jesus and they say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Do you know how to pray? As Christians, you might say, well, yeah, pastor. I mean, we, we've been born and raised to pray in the church and we pray here at church and we pray our quick come Lord Jesus before our meal and we pray at other times but seriously do you really know how to pray I mean after all doesn't God already know what you need why do you need to ask him after all if God's will is going to be done if he's the one who's in charge of your life your beginning and your ending doesn't he know what's going to happen tomorrow? If he knows what's on your heart and mind, isn't he going to take care of it? Why pray? It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing to comprehend because I think in many ways we have lost track of how to pray in terms of being Christians. My prayer life is all centered on me. Me, myself, and I. I have so many things on my personal prayer list that I want to see happen. I'd like to be able to wear a size 32 pant. I would love to see my house paid off. I'd love to have a newer car that might not fall apart so much. I'd love to see my kids healthy, wealthy, and wise. So I have a place to retire when I get older. <laughs> All of these things that I'm talking to you about here today are centered on me. And you've been there too. In your life of prayer. God, where are you in the midst of all of these things? In the midst of everything that's falling apart. In the midst of everything that's full of questions in the midst of everything that seems to be falling apart in my life and all around me, why can't you take notice of me and get with answering my prayers? And then there is silence. There is delay. There is the need to go to the store and buy larger pants. Jesus says today, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This sounds like Jesus is a magic genie. Rub the bottle, ask the right way, and he will just pour the blessings out. The prayers go up and the blessings come down. The prayers go up and the blessings come down. Really? Is that really how this works? God is sitting there waiting with bated breath for you just to ask something and he will just give it to you. If that was the case, you'd be seeing me pulling up in my Ferrari here at church. But that is not the case. 
There's a story, and I don't remember his name, of a Civil War general who had an amazing prayer life. I believe he was a Union general. That he would sit down and pray before every little thing he was given. Even if one of his soldiers brought him a canteen of water, he would pray that this water would be a blessing to him that it wouldn't harm him, but it would be a benefit and blessing because it had come from God. How many of us pray before we have a glass of water? It comes from our clean water system here in the city, or that comes from the bottle that we got at the gas station. How many of us look at the air that we're breathing? How many of us prayed before we actually got in the car today and drove to church? See, you sit behind your car and you wheel, and it seems like everything's fine. But if you actually open up the door while you're going 35 miles an hour, it's kind of dangerous. Don't do that. It's a dangerous thing. You made it here today without somebody else hitting you in a car. You've made it here today so far without having a coronary. You've made it here today having breakfast and have not gotten sick on the breakfast. There are so many things that God has given to you, and yet, do we truly look at this as something that God has given to us or something that we have just kind of skated by on our own? That's the big kicker. Who really is in charge here? Who really is the one who has ordered your days and your deeds by his peace? Did any of you ask to be born? Did any of you ask to come into this world and live? No, you didn't. Neither did I. And yet we are here. And yet recount all of the blessings that God has given to you throughout your life. How many meals have you eaten? How many glasses of water have you drank? How many breaths have you taken? How many times have you batted your eyelashes? How many people have been a blessing and benefit to you and you don't know their name or anything about them but they did something somehow some way that benefits you when i was on vicarage in yuma arizona i got a phone call from my mother saying that my dad went into the hospital he was suffering from colon cancer at the time and she said, it doesn't look like he's going to make it. You need to come back. So I was pretty shaken up by this. And I remember making my plans to fly back to Indiana. And I remember sitting in the, the vicarage house by myself. I was single at the time, worried and fretting about all of this. And I remembered what my vicarage supervisor simply said, don't forget your prayers. Don't forget your prayers. But I didn't know what to pray for. So I sat down and I prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And I broke down. I broke down because I realized that my will was not being done in the midst of all of this. The one who raised me was sick, was ill, was probably going to die, and I wanted to see him around for a little bit longer. And I remember sitting there, and it was actually a matter of prayer. It was actually wrestling with God, saying, 
I don't want your will to be done. I want my will to be done. And you've been there as well. There is no guarantee for later today or tomorrow for you. But in the midst of all of the things that you and I face, listen to what Jesus says to us today. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. This is not peace between Russia and Ukraine. It's not peace between the Republicans and the Democrats. It's not the peace with gas prices falling down. It's the peace, as the Bible says, that passes all of our understanding. It's the peace that we know and acknowledge that we believe that Jesus Christ is the true Son of God and that he has come to suffer everything in this world for you and for me. The hunger, the thirst, the pain, the loss. One of the things that I often like to talk to the confirmands about when we talk about Jesus is, is that if Jesus was walking down the stairs in your house and he fell down, what would happen to him? Well, he'd float. He'd hover, maybe. Some might say, well, he's a shapeshifter or whatever else. No, if Jesus fell down the stairs at your house, he'd get banged up. He'd get bruised. He'd get bloodied. That's the Son of God. True God and true man for us. Relaying to you and to me in every sort of way except without sin. Even being tempted. Tempted by the devil, the world, and others. That's this peace that we talk about here today. The peace that the world looks at and says, this doesn't make any sense. But the peace that Jesus says he has come to give you. Why? The very last sentence of our gospel reading says it very well. In the world you will have tribulation. I'd love to, to have that as a bumper sticker. In the world you will have tribulation. But think about how you view the world. If we just get through this rough time. If we just get through this sickness or this illness. If we just make these few payments and get this debt off our back. If we just elect some other people, maybe things will get better. But have you ever noticed in your life that it doesn't really work that way? As soon as you think things are going well, the other shoe drops. As soon as we have gone through a pandemic, now they're talking about something with monkeys and poxes. As soon as we get through gas prices, something else is going to happen that's going to cause us financial woes. And it's going to happen over and over and over again. That is why Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. Why? It's a broken and busted world. If it wasn't, I'd be wearing size 32 pants and I'd have a full head of hair. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have things like cancer and eyeglasses and graveyards. But it is. 
if this world was completely fulfilled and without sin and not broken, you would be fine on your own. But we're not. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now that might seem kind of nice for us to, yeah, that's the rest of the bumper sticker there, Pastor. Let's put that on there as well. Yeah, Jesus has come and overtaken the world. But tomorrow you might wake up and have that Mack truck smack you in the face with yet another problem, another disparaging thought, another worry in your mind. It's going to happen. Sorry, I'm not one of these guys that can promise the opposite. But here is the kicker. Here is the thing. You have each other. We are a community. We are a family. This is not about you and your individual walk with the big guy upstairs. This is about you and I bearing with one another in your burdens and in your joys. This is about you and I being brothers and sisters in Christ, a community gathered around the peace of God which passes all our understanding, a community that prays, that speaks to God on behalf of one another. That list of prayers that we have in the church, the regular prayers that you hear about, praying for our government and everything else that we find, those are all things that other Christians who wrote down the scriptures told us to pray for. And when we pray for these things, we are entrusting them into God's care, especially because at times people are so submerged in the tribulations that they themselves don't know how to pray. So they ask you, hey, would you pray for me? Take that very, very seriously. Don't ever take that lightly. 99.9% of the time when somebody tells you, would you please pray for me? They probably are not praying for themselves because they are too worried and too afraid. Well, what's it going to solve, Pastor? It's going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. As a community, we lay these things before him and literally say, in the world we're going to have tribulation. You take this on. Why? Because you have overcome the world. And the last I checked, I haven't. One of the most amazing things that I learned a couple of weeks ago at this doxology retreat that I went to in Texas was the amazing ability as brothers and sisters to come together in prayer around each other, to lift one another up in prayer, to lay all of these things at the feet of Jesus, but then also to encourage you as the congregation and me as the pastor to write these things down and to place them in the offering or a prayer box for others to pray for. I don't want people to know my business, my sickness, or whatever else, Pastor. If you don't have people here do this for you, then who will? And even if you're too embarrassed or ashamed to do that, one of the professors said, at least encourage your people that as they come to the altar rail, 
And as they are fed on the flesh and blood of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has overcome the world, take heart and know that you are restored and refreshed and forgiven by this wondrous meal and take that person or those people and those problems to this rail. Name them as you are communing and put them at the feet of Jesus and simply say, you take care of it. I can't. Take heart. In the world you will have tribulation. But Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And in all things, he speaks to the Father on your behalf. He's already spoken that best sentence on your behalf. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And he has forgiven you. And he has loved you. And he has shown you mercy. And he will continue to do so until he calls us home to be with all of the faithful who have gone before us. But until that day, pray. As Luther says, with prayer, the less words, the better. It doesn't take much. But pray for one another. Pray for this country. Pray for your family. Pray for this church. Pray for everybody who asks you to pray for them. Even if it's simply saying, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. Lord, into your care I place these people. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.